Hey, this is Mike and Tom from Ballpark Bros. You're listening to another great show on the Four Eyed Radio. Check us all out on FourEyedRadio.com. Starfleet Escape Podcast. Prepare for launch in three, two, one. Enjoy the ride. Welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four Eyed Radio Network, where we escape into the Star Trek universe. This is episode 83 and is being recorded on February 16th, 2018. Today's topic, Spectral Scans, Star Trek Discovery, episode 15, Will You Take My Hand? This is a spoiler-filled episode, and you have been warned. I'm Eric Berry. I'm Aaron Gallo. And I'm Eric Dewey. This episode is sponsored by Revenge Lover Designs and Illustration. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention this podcast for 10% off of your order. Happy Lunar New Year, everyone. Happy how's, Lunar how's, New Year! It doesn't have the <laughs> same exact ring to it, but hey, <laughs> for those who celebrate, indeed, Happy Lunar New Year. It's the year of the dog. It is. Heck yes, I love dogs. Right. Uh, what is your uh, zodiac sign? Either mm-hmm. Eric, either um, one of you. <laughs> uh, of of the of the Chinese right. variety. Yes, um, yes. I think mine oh. is dog. Okay. I have I have no idea. <laughs> I'd have to look it up. I know, I know what my like regular sign. Oh, I'm a Pisces in the regular thing, but yeah, uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a Cancer. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm I'm you're the dog. Nice. Yeah, this is my year. It's your year. Make it happen. I make it happen every year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How, how do I find out? Where can I find out? Is there a is there a what year were you born? I can go to nineteen seventy nine. I'm an old guy. Uh, nineteen seventy nine. Goat. I'm a goat. Goat. Ooh, I'm I'm a water dog. Oh, yeah. oh there's there's different. <laughs> there's like right. different periods, like earth dog, metal dog, water dog, wood dog. Oh snap! So you said I was a uh, a goat. A goat. I don't even see that. That's not even on the thing. There's a sheep on mine on this one that I'm looking at. Wait, let, let, let me see. There we go. Google says yours is the goat. Okay. Well, the the one that I pulled up on this uh, website, it says sheep, but it does have a picture that's got obviously got horns. So I'm like, well, that's a goat. <laughs> Even though it says <laughs> <And> sheep, <laughs> that is actually a goat. Uh, and my... Mr. Dewey, you are the earth goat. Oh, sweet. Hey, I'm supposed to avoid oxes, tigers, and dogs. So um, peace out, guys. I can't talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> What's yours, Aaron? I am a pig. Ooh, that's one of my best matches, according to this. So, <laughs> so hey, Aaron, how's or it going? Or a boar. Either way. <laughs> I don't think you're boring. Yeah, so that's who I am. Ashley is a, my uh, wife is a tiger. Grr. Uh, <laughs> uh, I hope everyone had a is going to have a great uh, new year and uh, all that jazz. So everybody who gave up on their new year resolution in uh, January, here's your chance to restart it. <laughs> Be like I meant it. I meant it was going to be a lunar a lunar New Year's resolution. So you know it's all good. Right. Uh, yeah, that's the ticket. Everything else going well, guys? We just saw Star Trek Discovery's last episode. This past weekend. Uh, indeed, indeed. Yes. We're going to have to wait several a while times throughout another, the week. Yes. <laughs> several times. Uh, we're going to have to wait for another new one for a while, it looks like. 
I hope it's not like whatever the hell Jason Isaac said. Well, he said like, like 2020. I don't, I don't believe anything he says. <laughs> yeah, I was like, come on, man. Like, it can't be that long. They're already writing the new ones. Right. Actually, they announced that they will be filming. They'll start <laughs> filming in April. Oh, oh yes. So right. I am hoping for a fall premiere. That would be awesome. Oh, man. I'm thinking January. I'm I'm hoping this year. I'm hoping within the year of 2018, even if it's later, even if it's winter, I'm still hoping that they do it this year. When did uh when did it start this year? It was it was November, yeah? Uh, uh October? October. Yeah, October. So I'd be okay no, with No, no, it. no. What? September. Oh yeah, it was September. That's right. It was like the last wow. weekend in September, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah, I would be totally okay with them doing another September. Oh, that's release. right. Duh, September. It was September 24th, my anniversary. That's when it premiered. There you go. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I How would be okay I with them that? doing that again. Last weekend of September, first week in August. Uh, I'd be okay with either of those. Um, that would be perfect for me. Well, you know, one year from they, start to start. If they film in April, they, they did say that each one takes like four months of post-production. Yeah. So that kind of tracks. So... Yeah, I'm hoping if we get another another season this year, God, that would be so amazing. That would be absolutely fantastic. So hopefully they'll announce dates soon so that we can start planning our uh, watching parties and whatnot. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, definitely want to get that going as soon as they can. I don't want them to rush it because I want good stories and I want good acting and I want good effects and I want all that stuff, but I want it now. <laughs> <laughs> I want it right now, dang it. You're not the only one. Let's jump into the news. So this one interesting nugget <laughs> I found. Uh, this is hilarious. So this is via space.com. Fake science paper about Star Trek and Warp 10 was accepted by predatory journals. The paper's author, a biologist for 30 years and a fan of Star Trek, wrote up a research paper based on the Voyager episode, Threshold. Ah. <sighs> Wildly regarded, widely, I should say, regarded to be one of the worst single episodes of Star Trek ever made. As as much as I love Voyager, that was a complete (laughs) crap show. (laughs) It it was a stinker by any definition. I mean, not just, you know, looking at whether you're a fan of Voyager or not. That particular, there are worse. I'm not saying I don't believe that that's the single worst episode of Star Trek, but it was definitely a stinker. It's up there, man. Spock's brain, anyone? I mean, come on. Spock's brain took on a whole new meaning after following Swear Trek on Twitter. Uh I can watch it now. I can watch that all day long now because I think of something completely different. (laughs) He submitted this paper to 10 open access journals known or suspected of charging authors publication fees without providing the editorial services associated with legitimate journals such as uh, careful peer review and vetting of the paper's claims. Four accepted it, though only one, the American Research Journal of Biosciences, published the paper. This is incredible. He did it specifically (laughs) to test these places that say that they're a scientific journal, that people are reading and respecting... But they're not doing their due diligence. They're not doing what's supposed to be done. This is how we end up with papers that, you know, vilify vaccines and things like that being published by somewhat respected journals is by things like this happening. 
And this guy specifically did this to expose these places and be like, hey, look, you can't trust what these people are printing because they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. So you need to make sure you're checking your sources and make sure that your sources are checking their sources before you go believing everything you read on the Internet, even if it's in the guise of a scientific journal. Right. Indeed. So you can read more on this on uh, space.com. Yep. Just be careful what you read and and use snopes.com oh man that's my that's my website i every time i see someone post something questionable on facebook i yep. always look at look at that website and then i just comment the link in there <laughs> in the comment section and they're like oh okay as abraham lincoln said you cannot believe everything you read on the internet indeed or here on a podcast what well i don't know about that <laughs> Ooh, a dilemma has arisen in my voyage. I better check that out. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and uh, here's where I insert the plug to, hey, if you're playing Timelines on your mobile device, join we our... Need help. Join our <laughs> squadron or uh, fleet. Join our fleet for the Starfleet Escape podcast. It's fun and easy, and we would definitely love to have some more people up in there. Indeed. And I guess thank you to Heap, whoever you are, for joining. Yeah, hey, I Heap. hope. I hope they're a listener. Otherwise, this is going to be creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a creep heap? No. Uh, no, yeah, no, it was great. Seeing somebody we didn't know pop up there is fantastic. It's an open thing, so hey, jump aboard. <laughs> As we all questioned each other, like, do you know this guy? Like, what's going on? <laughs> Who is are you what does god need with a starship yeah <laughs> you guys want to know my dilemma do you, you want to help me out with my dilemma here yeah sure yeah. what's your dilemma all right all right an agent claiming to work for section 31 has contacted me demanding the use of i didn't name my ship so it's just borg scout ship for exactly five hours on a covert mission with no way to verify her identity or section 31's intentions should i allow this or refuse the request and my options are to allow the supposed agent to use the Borg scout ship or refuse the supposed agent's demands. Refuse. I would refuse it. I will allow the supposed agent to use the Borg scout <laughs> ship. Actually, I only did that because the last time I had that same dilemma, I did choose refuse because I was like, hell no. Um, and I've learned that you get different rewards. for You get something no matter what you choose. Yes. But you get different rewards based on what you choose. So anytime I see one that I've already done, I always choose the, the one I haven't man, chosen Why yet. even ask, man? <laughs> I just wanted ask? to see what you guys would say. But no, the first time I came across that particular dilemma, I was totally with you. Refuse. And I got better rewards for refusing than I just got for allowing. So you yep, do get better you know. rewards sometimes. And sometimes it like doesn't make sense. Like There's a clear answer that's like, oh yeah, that's the Starfleet answer for sure. And you hit that and you get some junk rewards. And then the next time you're like, yeah, kill it. Kill it to death. It gives you, like, I I did that on this one. There was, like, a, you, you find a viscous fluid that may or may not be sentient. What do you do? Destroy it! And I got, <laughs> I got as a reward, the four-star Plutonian Kirk. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, for crying out, I'm like, dang, you gave me, I mean, I'm so over here just killing stuff, and you're giving me the good, the good rewards for it. Like, all right, cool. I'm, I'm approaching... Uh, hour 14 in this voyage, so oh, right I'm gunning for that 15 hour, and I have spent some dilithium. Yeah, oh, it gets, no. it. what stinks is every time you, you like the first time you re-up it, it's it only like up. 20 or 30, and then it's like 50 or 60 the second time, and then the next time it's like 100 and something. I think I'm gonna, I, this voyage is at 12 hours right now, and I just wanted to get I did it, I, I wanted a long voyage because the longer you go, the more rewards you get, and specifically the more training holograms you get. And I was yeah. 
running low on four and five star training holograms. And so the longer the voyages you get, the much more of those you get. Right now on my 12-hour voyage, I'm sitting at 98 five-star training holograms and 64-star training holograms from this voyage alone. So uh, This portion of the podcast is brought to you by <laughs> Star Trek Voyages <laughs> or Star Trek Timelines. Timelines. I can't even get that right. Do the voyages <laughs> in Star Trek Timelines. So play with us. Jump on. Download it. <laughs> play with in the, in on, the game. In the, wow. Wow. Okay. A small slip of the tongue on my part and you take it to such a dark place. No, just play with us. This isn't, this isn't our mirror episode yet, you know? So let's not, let's not go there. Wait, Speaking. Is, is the mirror version of all of us beardless? <gasps> mm. I'm not shaving for the episode, right? I'm telling you right now. <laughs> this took way too long to grow. We'll CGI it out. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't worry. No one can see us. It's fine. Uh, but speaking of Mirror Universe, let's move on to would you buy it? And guys, would you buy this? Yes. Yes? Um, It's a no for me, but no. not because that there's there's anything wrong with it. It's just not something that I want enough to buy it. I think it's okay. a cool product, but I just don't need it personally. This is, and this is not the Mirror Universe badge from Discovery. This is one from the newest comic series that was released for Broken Mirror, mm-hmm. which is the next generation uh, Mirror Universe uh, spinoff, which has been canon now in timelines because they featured characters from that comic book series in there like the mirror picard and mirror Crusher. picard looks so bad a let me tell you oh, oh in the comics he is a bad a this qmx badge is from the comic version of the mirror universe in tng which is cool i wasn't expecting that right so like eric said this product is the qmx star trek mirror universe magnetic insignia badge you can find it on Amazon for nineteen ninety nine, and it's why, why not at QMX themselves? Well, you could, well, I mean, I went through the Amazon uh, Star Trek portal, which Ooh. they have now. I guess we could plug that if you follow Star Tre- the official Star Trek uh, website and are part of their newsletter crew or whatever they it is. Uh, <laughs> got a notification that. Amazon.com slash Star Trek is like a new portal and they have discovery stuff that the official Star Trek store on Star Trek.com does not have. Oh. Uh, and I found this uh, looking through uh, the Amazon uh, Star Trek portal that they have. Do you think that they'll do the replica Mirror Universe badges from Discovery? They would have well, to, right? I oh, would sure. imagine so. Yeah. But this badge is very cool. I like this look. I need them to do a whole line of all the achievement badges from the Discovery Mirror Universe. Like, oh, I want, I yeah. want all of them. I want the fifty kill. I want the hundred kill. <laughs> um, like seriously, like hook it up. That would I be want... a really good looking set. Yeah, for real. Yeah, definitely. And if I was ever going to really spend money on a cosplay and really go all out, I think Mirror Discovery right now would would be the one that I would choose. Like if I was going to drop a couple of thousand on a, a costume, I wouldn't be you know Iron Man armor or anything like that. No, I'd be Mirror Discovery right now. Nice. Very nice indeed. So, uh, yeah, I guess two, well, one yes, one no, and I probably would get this. I have other QMX badges, which I love, so. 
I have the original TNG one, which is has, was always my favorite badge to begin with, you know, growing up with mm. TNG and everything. And I have one of theirs. And it's, it's good quality. Yeah, I have the Generations badge. The other one I liked was the um, the one from Future Imperfect. Uh, the yeah. ones from Future Imperfect. I, I, I dug those ones, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like those. It just give me all the badges. Yeah. yeah. All the badges. They need to put out, like, a complete set of, like, all of the badges that have been... I mean, that would probably cost, like, $400. But um, it would still be a cool set to have. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed it would. Let's get into the meat of the show. Woo! Spectral Scans, Star Trek Discovery, Episode 15, Will You Take My Hand? I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> so it opens with the teaser. Which Saru. was like a 10-minute like a teaser again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, another long teaser. Not the longest we've seen. That still belongs to that 14-minute one. Pretty good amount of time between opening of the show and the actual credits. Yeah, and we have uh, Saru, Michael, and Giorgio. You see a little bickering between all three of them. Now, I found this really interesting because we have, you know, yeah, they're talking to each other and, and Saru and Michael are kind of like, what the heck's going on here? But then Michael does something that I didn't quite understand what her goal was. She essentially mm. tries to catch Giorgio in a lot. Like she tries to out her. She tries to, to like out her in front of the rest of the crew by like trying to catch her not knowing something about her past. And I'm not quite sure why she was doing that like what was what was her goal if she was if she did stumble if Giorgio did stumble and was like oh i don't remember where i was born in this universe oh no i gave away that i'm mirror Giorgio. Uh, again <laughs> i'm still a little upset that they made the rest of the discovery crew dumb enough to not put two and two together on this to yeah. be quite honest i that's why, like, for me, I mean, we'll go into this a little more. That's why I wish there was less mirror episodes and more time to, like, flesh this part of the ending out. Uh, because you're right, there there should have been some smarter crew on there, especially Detmer. Like, I was like, come on, really? Like, don't be all happy face. Like, you were there probably when she died. <laughs> I, I'm not a huge fan of that, but... yeah. You're right, Eric. Like, why did it seem like she was trying to trip up Giorgio and instill doubt when the whole purpose of it was to make everyone think that, you know, Giorgio is uh, Philip as the real captain? And another thing, Star Trek Discovery has got to work on, like, the timing of stuff between scenes because there there'll be stuff that happens like at the end of an episode that's like dun 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 here's the cliffhanger and then the episode picks up immediately after but there's logic gaps like especially the whole like when they first came on board back to the discovery and a couple episodes ago they transported to the discovery there was all this like spore network stuff and then saru eventually made his way to the bridge Giorgio and 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 burnham are still standing there in the transporter room like what and i feel <laughs> this happened again in this episode like cornwell was physically there introducing or was she physically there or was that a hologram no she was, she was there at she that point right. there. that's my point she was was physically there saying all right yay here's captain philip Giorgio," and then and then she's gone 
And it's like, what happened? Like, she's already a hologram later on in this episode. Like, where the hell did you go? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this episode picked up directly after. Uh, it definitely didn't. Um, although it's it, it's hard to tell that because they don't right. indicate any passage of time. They pick right back up on the bridge. But Gee, based on the it, conversation, it's obvious that they've spent some time traveling towards Kronos at this point. So time has passed. But we don't know how much because they don't specify. And because they do pick up one scene in the same location with the same characters as the other, it's hard to tell what time has passed. So I agree Gee, with you. They, if, they need to make it clear. If only Star Trek had a way to, I don't know, maybe star dates or captain's logs. Like, come on. <laughs> I would have loved to see a, a Philippa Georgiou impersonator captain's log. <laughs> Or, or at the very least, you know, go back to Michael's log about, you know, the Giorgio has been, you know, personal log. Uh, Emperor Giorgio has been masquerading <laughs> as my captain for X number of days slash hours slash whatever, just to give us a sense of the passage of time. Um, yeah. Star dates. I until they figure out how to do star dates and keep it consistent throughout all shows, I don't want to ever hear another star date again as far as I'm concerned because they don't mean anything. They're literally made up numbers and it drives me nuts. But On a show that strives so hard to keep everything else in continuity to just be like star date five three nine or four alpha <laughs> But that's why, I mean, I like that they did it in the first episode to Discovery, but that was mainly just to get everyone on board of what time it was. Yeah. but And, and, and they, they did it a to... lot in Enterprise, like real dates, which I appreciated. But just something, like, like, like you said, she could have mentioned, oh, it's been hours since she came aboard, and I really hate this. Yeah. And I'm going to try and undermine her authority by writing her out. You know, like something like yeah. that. Yeah, something to explain why she was trying to do it. I'd be like, okay, so all that we learned from this is that Giorgio has done her homework as far as making sure that she's up to date with how her counterpart, you know, the things that her counterpart should know. Like, okay, all great. Right. Like, why do I care whether or not she does that unless it's going to play a part later on? <gasps> it doesn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that the whole thing of her trying to, to out her, I, I just didn't get it. I was like, why, why would she be trying to do this? Like, she's following orders. She's trying to stay on board mm -hmm. with this plan. But yet she's doing what she can to undermine those orders as well. And I... Yeah, However, I felt like this whole Giorgio thing kind of just fell flat. Um, yeah, and I get it. They they freaking love Michelle Yeoh. I love Michelle well, yeah, Yeoh. Who doesn't? I mean, she's fantastic. It, this was such a dangling like, oh, she's like, oh, be good, Philippa. And it's like, how could she ever be good? She's from the freaking mirror universe. <laughs> right. Like, it, this is just like, great. Now we have Star Trek's next mustache twirling villain who just happens to be a lady you know like come on yeah well the it's like the baton has been passed from harry mud to philippa honestly i'd rather have more harry mud <laughs> I, i'm not gonna lie with that yeah it'll be interesting to see if they if they use her again and and how much they use her whether it's just like a passing like they hear a report of some outpost being destroyed and it's rumored that you know someone you know matching the description of Philippa Giorgio was seen fleeing the scene or something like that or if it's going to be like a major plot point that she's involved we'll see we'll see where they go with yeah. that um 
but yeah, the whole, you know, her trying to out her. Like, I did love the interaction between her and Saru, though. Saru, yes. That whole bit about the, the tough Kelpian, you know. Oh, my God. That was and fantastic. When, when after Trek did, like, the, the sass Trek thing, like the shade <laughs> Trek, that whole segment was hilarious. Like, all the side eye and the shade, that was just funny as hell. Yeah, it was. <laughs> As science officer, I believe I can give you a more in-depth analysis than just reading numbers off a screen. And then it was like, oh, snap. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Then we have, after all that interaction... Then we have the George. last time for a long time we'll hear that fantastic theme song. Well, uh, I say that, but I know I'm going to rewatch these episodes a couple of times between now and whenever season two comes out. Right. We have Giorgio and Burnham. They visit Laurel in the brig. And then she does some, Giorgio does something very on Starfleet. <laughs> yeah. Except it kind I'm not going to lie, it reminded me of that time Archer was beating up a. Uh, during the someone in the brig during the, uh, the Zindi arc, the Zindi arc, yeah, yes, yes, that I, that like I immediately like thought of that during this scene, and th- there's a lot of like Enterprise feels for me in this episode too, and we'll get to that. You're right, that's another great example of uh, you know flashbacks to kind of earlier seasons, yeah. but. It was brutal, and again, it's a chance for them to show how physically awesome Michelle Yeoh is. I mean, she was doing kicks and, like, bat kicks and awesome stuff in there. There It it looked brutal. Yeah, oh, it absolutely was. And there was a couple of things I really loved about this scene. First of all, the fact that we have Giorgio acting in a completely un-Starfleet way, which we would expect, considering she's not Starfleet. But I love the fact that it didn't work. I would have been really, really mad yes. if a few punches and kicks were able to make a professional torturer talk. If she had spilled secrets after being punched a couple of times, I would have been like, come on, guys, what are you doing? But the fact that she laughed, like she was getting her butt beat and she just was laughing, like, you think I'm going to talk because you're beating me? I'm like, do you know what I do for a living? <laughs> Oh, no, that that was a great touch. And it was such a, you know, nice dichotomy to see Laurel being tortured when we've when we know that she's done that in the past earlier in the series. So uh, it, it was a great turnaround. It was also very interesting to see where Michael's breaking point was, because I think that was really the point of that scene was not yes. really the interaction between Laurel and Giorgio. It was seeing how much of that Burnham would allow under the guise of her being the captain before she finally was like, stop, this is enough, before she finally snapped. And the answer is she let it go way longer than she should have as <laughs> as a Starfleet right. officer, as someone right. believing in Starfleet ideals. But this was – it was important to the journey she makes in this entire series, but especially in this episode. It was very important to see – where her line was drawn. So that was the, that's why this was probably, this might be my favorite scene actually in this episode because there's so much in there Mm. that it's, it's packed full of, of good stuff while appearing to be just a prison shakedown scene. No, I mean, it definitely ties into all the themes, like you were saying, not just in this episode, but throughout the season. So like thematic wise, I think the writers do a good job of, 
presenting these situations and stories to uh, balance each other out. I agree with that. One the interesting things when before you know the uh, shakedown happens, Giorgio is beating Laurel. There's uh, an interaction. Laurel's like, "Hey, why are you still alive?" <laughs> I. She's like, "Wait a minute! Didn't I eat you?" <laughs> she was like, "How is this possible? Like, what?" I think her brain just kind of like melted a little bit. Yeah, there there was definitely a moment of confusion that was like, wait a minute. And it was kind of it was also fun because it was coming right off the heels of Giorgio, you know, essentially making fun of the fact that she eats Kelpians like five minutes ago. And now here's yeah. this Klingon saying, wait a minute, didn't I eat you? <laughs> so it kind of reinforced uh, where the food chain is in Discovery. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> the beatdown doesn't work. Burnham says, we can try something else. They go yeah. visit Ash Tyler, which they probably should have done first. <laughs> except except we needed that scene for all those reasons that I talked about. We, we, yeah, you know, we needed that right. scene. And if they went to Tyler first, they would have gotten all their answers and we wouldn't have had that. So I'll give them a pass on that one because of how much they packed into that scene. Right. We know Tyler has folks' memories. He agrees to help them. Burnham explains the plan of, of dropping the drone to map the surface for military targets. And Tyler tells them the best places to do that is at the shrine to Molar. Did I say that right? Yeah, uh, he says it all weird. It's like Molar. Molar. Yeah, because yeah, he, he drops like, into his Klingon. Klingon yeah, he, dr- he drops there. into his Klingon for it. And that we find out that land has been given to the Orions for an embassy and outpost. And I was like, ooh, I like this. Ooh, Orions, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this um, was, that was cool. I really no, enjoyed it. I mean, I, I, at first I was like, oh, I like the idea of this. And then we get to see it. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I really love this scene because it really played into the humanity of Tyler. Like we've been, yes. you know, trying to decide, you know, what is he? You know, he's a, he's a Klingon who's been reduced to a human by surgery, had a human's uh, memories implanted on his Klingon brain, but then had that Klingon psyche disconnected i guess not deleted since he still has the memory so i guess it was just disconnected from his primary psyche so to see him there and you know he's essentially yeah he has some freedom about the ship but but you notice he's not they find him in his quarters just chilling because he probably doesn't feel comfortable anywhere else still and he's just sitting there literally tying a knot because it's something that ties him to his no. past as as he remembers it. And you know, something that, that keeps him attached to his human side, which is what he desperately wants to hang on to. And, of course, they're coming to him asking him to do the exact opposite and be like, hey, we need you to tap into that Klingon stuff and help us out here. You know, yeah, we know you're messed up right now. And the last thing you want to do is talk about the Klingon stuff. But we kind of need you to do it anyway. And the whole mm-hmm. thing with Giorgio essentially talking about him as if he's not standing there in the room right now or that he's less than a person, that he's literally a thing talking about, I guess it can be useful. What is it anyway? You know, mm-hmm. Michael, who has already, you know, broken his heart, has to be the one to be like, he has the Klingon's memories and can help us out if we maybe be a little nicer to him. <laughs> But I, I love that moment when he's like, when she's like, so you'll help us? And he's like, I'm not going to do it for you. I'm doing it for 
Star- Starfleet. Starfleet, who I'm doing it for. Yeah, because you know he was about to say he was doing it for Michael. He didn't want right, to put that, she that looks pressure. Away. Yeah, he didn't want to put that pressure on her. So that's what he changed his tone to. I- I'm I'm doing it for Starfleet. I'm just, Starfleet's the reason I'm doing this. No, he did it for Michael. That's straight up. He did it for her. And I, that was a great scene uh, right there dealing with the after effects of, of everything that's happened to that character, which I thought was fantastic. And to add some humor to the scene, we have Tilly who comes in. <laughs> yes. And this was so awesome. Oh, uh, my God. The- <laughs> She's all going in there like, oh, my God, this is the real Philippa Giorgio. And I read all about you and you're the best. And then they're like, Mm-mm, nope. And she does the mini, like, hell, like, hell. That was the best. Five times. And, five times and, I've watched this episode. Oh, my God. I burst out laughing out loud every single time when she does the salute. And, and Michael's like, and, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, Burnham's like, nope, don't. We're not doing that. No. Just, she's like, and oh, you're the emperor. The running joke with Tilly's curly hair. He's like, these are hideous. I I, I know. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's great. Yeah. Mary Wiseman is the best thing that happened to Discovery. She is fantastic. Tilly is a fantastic character. I'm so glad that uh, they, they the way they used her just throughout the show, you know, it's ah, absolutely fantastic. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, Tilly is just so <laughs> cool. Whoa. And another thing we learned in wow. this scene, <laughs> yeah. like, Giorgio is not keeping her cover very well. No, she's doing a terrible job at it. I don't think she gives a crap. Yeah, at this point, anyway, she definitely she, does Yeah, not. she was definitely revealing herself to Tilly, like, well, She purpose. calls her Killy. Yeah, well, well, she, she, you know, Tilly walks in and is like, oh, hey, I've been, I've been so meaning to meet you. I've, I've, like, heard so much about you. And she's like, oh, yeah, I remember when we destroyed all those Betazoids or, like, what, what do they say? When we subjugated the Betazoids or killed them. And she's like, mm-hmm. oh, you're not. Oh, And there's, like, that moment. And I guess it's, you know, obviously she wasn't outing herself to the whole crew. She was outing herself only to the specific crew that was going on that particular mission. And I think it would be important for for somebody going on that mission to know what they were dealing with. So I understood why she outed herself there because it wasn't, you know, public. It was just to Tilly and it made for a fantastic moments. So I'm, I'm OK with that part. Moving on, the party arrives at the outpost. Man, this outpost is sensational. Oh, the set design was incredible. All the little details. I saw the the seti eel worms being Mm -hmm. fried up. That was perfect. And for me, this totally felt like Enterprise. It felt like when they went to the weird Rigelian outpost in in the first episode, Broken Bow, it it felt like when they went that Orion arc that they did with Bounty, it it felt all like that. You know, everyone's like in hoods and grungy clothes and there's smoke and it's just dirty and grimy and there's strip clubs and weird things to eat. Like, this was freaking incredible. Yeah, definitely not a neighborhood I would stroll down. (laughs) Uh, 
that's just me. Oh, oh, and to set up this scene, uh, Philippa was saying, oh, you know, dress in grungy clothes. And then she said, I wonder what Lorca found here that we could use to trade. Yes. So I love that they basically raided his murder kill room <laughs> to do trading. And they mentioned Nausicaan weapons. Yeah. Right. And, so, yeah. Um, and, oh, before, when she was talking to Tilly, and she said, oh, you know, we raided the Betazoids, and, and we destroyed Mintaka 3, and I'm like, those poor proto-Vulcans. No! <laughs> what, what's oh, what's wow. Mira Picard? Yeah, did you catch that? No, I didn't catch it until you she, just said it. <laughs> she said, she said, you know, when we did our raid on, on Betazoid and destroyed Mintakan 3, and mm. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> Of course they would go after Min- Mintaka 3. That That's more Vulcans right. that they could kill. Wow, crazy. There's a lot of yeah. detail that the writers are like weaving in, and I definitely appreciate that. Oh, for, for continuity fans like us, this is just icing on the cake. And it's so easy to do with Star Trek that has this 50-year... Uh, thing you know they don't have to make up any more new words or aliens or things they can just use things that already exist in this universe and we'll take it as a reference but it just shows that it's such a simple thing to do to connect all the series together as soon as they said mentaka 3 i was like no way picard's tapestry like what the hell (laughs) (laughs) one thing that upset me about this scene is because they had another opportunity to show us a Verante disruptor, and they chose not to do it yet again. Ah. What the heck, man? That was that would have been the perfect thing for them to find in Lorca's man cave to uh, to dig this out and sell. Cave. That would have been fantastic. I, yeah, I, but I agree. I love that scene. She's like, she goes, uh, Gabriel must have found something interesting lying around in this universe. Yep. And then you know they show up with just a couple of Noskin disruptors, and they they didn't even show the brain melting thing that which we never did find out exactly what it did, other than yeah. kill him. Does it melt brains? I bet it melts brains. But yeah, that would have been a perfect opportunity for a Veronti, and they would have gotten a lot more, I think, than uh, whatever. What would they get? Two thousand, two thousand darseks, whatever those are. Veronti would have been worth more than that, I think. Just saying. What about uh, <laughs> the Klingons have two dicks? <laughs> do they do they have two peni, or do they just have two urethri? <laughs> I don't they got know. two of something down there. <laughs> I don't know that they have because I don't know. Hey, re- redundant we know, systems. We know <laughs> that it's possible for Klingon females and human males to mate. And we know it's possible the other way around as well. So I would have to assume that the number of appendages is at least the same. Now, whether or not they have, you know... It's possible that there's uh, two urethra going on there, or it's possible he just, you know, had a rough night. You, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you, <laughs> you've been there. Students. Sometimes it just right. doesn't come out right, you know? Right. Um, I, don't, I don't really want to get into Klingon anatomy on the show. Um, I'm, I'm just saying. I wouldn't want to run it up. I'm just, I was continuing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess... Uh, if there are two appendages, Tyler would have had to given up one of them. <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, but that didn't stop uh, Laurel from doing yeah, them. Yeah, <laughs> that's very true. 
Very true. <laughs> God. Which, which they kept showing that, like, again and again in flashbacks. I'm like, really, guys? Yeah. I know you're T- TVMA, but come on. Yeah. You can never um, get enough gray Klingon nipple on TV. <laughs> That's my motto. <laughs> right. Um, Printing that on my business card. Uh, what? Yikes. Um, what are you selling? Uh, <laughs> uh, Tilly pretends to be hungry and pulls Burnham aside to a food booth uh, where they try to figure out what's going on with the Emperor. We don't. Uh, Burnham doesn't know, but Tilly says that she has her back. And they eat. Uh, gormagander. They eat some yes. tasty, tasty gormagander. Gross. Which she thought was delicious until she found out what it is. Typical. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know that the space whale is uh, is endangered. Yeah. Uh, so well, I'm what sure. What a great what a great thing to have on a smuggling outpost. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I'm sorry, embassy. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. I love that the Klingons call that an embassy, and it just fits with the Orions. It's perfect. Yeah, it made sense because at first when they when they indicated that there were anybody other than Klingons on Kronos, I was like, but wait, like, they're xenophobic. Like, why would they allow this at all? But it makes sense if it's the Orions because they're into everything. They're like those you – know, you don't want to admit they're your friends, but they get you the stuff you need on the side so you put up with them. And that's kind of how right. it, it had this feel of like, okay, we've set aside this little area that we're going to kind of pretend doesn't exist. <laughs> you know, we're going to just kind of, eh, we'll let them do their thing there. And then the rest of the world is going to just kind of imagine that that place doesn't, isn't there. We're not going to, we're not going to worry about what goes on in there. What happens in the Orion embassy stays in the Orion embassy. You know what I'm saying? And I like that, that Orions aren't much different in both universes. That was fantastic yeah that was because because what would they be in the mirror universe if they if it was a straight opposite than what the orions would be like greenpeace in the mirror universe and i no pun intended there <laughs> i thought of it after the fact so literally like i didn't think of it until afterward i was like oh green yep uh. yeah uh but i do love me some orions indeed and so does Giorgio, evidently oh. Oh yeah, man! There was so much Orion Heine. Uh, oh man! In so, this episode, and not just male, uh, female Heine, but male Heine too. Equal opportunity, yeah, green they're, Heine. They're equal opportunity Heines. Green bums for everyone. Right. I think this is the first time we've seen Orion males dressed this uh, way. You would be correct. Right? Because it's usually the females that are objectified. But, but remember, that. in Enterprise, it's the females that are in charge. And oh, the, yeah, yeah. The, the, Orion, the slave aspect is a, it's a cover, remember? It's right. a cover to infiltrate other uh, species. It's very true. I haven't seen that episode in uh, quite a while of Enterprise. I'll have to rewatch it. Everyone rewatch Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, do it, do it, do it. I just did. I just did fairly recently, so um, I will again before season. Once I get a release date for season two of Discovery, I'm going to plan my next rewatch of Star Trek in total. And I haven't quite decided what order I'm going to go in, but whatever order I go in, I'm going to make sure that I'm just finishing up 
season one of Discovery again as season two starts. But I just have to figure out which order I want to watch them in this time. Because I always watch them in a different order each time I go through a rewatch. Nice. Tyler and Burnham visit an establishment where they played this game. Tyler slash Volk is uh, familiar with this. And according to Tyler, he's pretty good at it. I really liked this scene, this whole thing of, uh, you know, Tyler's there, not necessarily, not against his will, obviously he agreed to do it, but he's there even though he doesn't want to associate with his Klingon side. He wants to to cling to his humanity. He doesn't want to, to have to draw on these Klingon memories, but they're in a situation where he has to. And mm-hmm. so you kind of see that moment. And that's, I, once again, I have to take my hat off to the actor, Shazad Latif. He plays this brilliantly where you see this he's like seeing the game and he, he sees it and he recognizes it and and he's he you can see kind of the moment where he's like he's remembering he's good at it but then you know he has to try to explain like like oh yeah i'm good at, i mean well voke was good at it is what i meant to say and you see that moment where he had let himself drift into voke for a moment and then was like snapping back like no 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 i'm tyler i'm just using voke's memories for the mission but for just a moment, you see him kind of slip into Vogue and then come back. And the struggle within himself and the, the actor is portraying it brilliantly. I, I freaking love it. I, I, I love that part of the scene. And then, of course, he goes over and he starts playing with the Klingons. And they're just yeah, amused by the fact that here's this human human that that speaks Klingon. Uh, for a second, <laughs> you, I was... You, you slipped into Ferengi yeah, there. You went, human. <laughs> Yeah, they 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 they're just amused by this uh, this human that is able to act and speak Klingon and and play their game. What I love about that scene is is his acting right there, where you see him kind of going back and forth, like fighting the memories, but at the same time realizing that he needs them to complete the mission. That internal struggle, however brief, uh, just beautifully played. I absolutely loved it. Yeah, he was able to fit right in with the Klingons there. And that's that's what disturbed Burnham so much. Yeah, right. and that and that brings us right into her acting, which was also phenomenal in this scene because you see her having you know like this PTSD kind of flashback thing, and at this point we don't know why yet. We just see her having this, you know, she's freaking out. You know, she sees these Klingons laughing and having a good time, and that freaks her out more than anything any Klingons ever done thus far in the show. You know, she's like, all of a sudden, like, I, I, I can't deal with this. I have to leave and, like, walks out of the room. And we're like, whoa, like, okay, you've seen Klingons do some nasty stuff, but them laughing is what sets you off? What gives? And then we find out a little bit later. Yes. Tilly. Yeah, Tilly. Tilly Tilly's at the bar. Uh, Giorgio goes off and does her, like... I'm going to have sex with these Orions now. (laughs) And so Tilly's just kind of around with her briefcase that's handcuffed to her wrist. Yep. Uh, And (laughs) there's this Orion. And lo and behold, it's freaking Clint Howard. Yes. Oh, that was fantastic. I was floored by this. And I got so excited. And my wife had no idea why. And I'm like... (laughs) It's Clint Howard. It's Ron Howard's brother. And this is like his fourth Star Trek appearance. I'm like, this is fantastic. Yeah, it was great. And it was definitely acted well. It was a a funny uh, scene. Yeah, it was. (laughs) Uh, So she sits there and she ends up inhaling uh, some volcanic vapor. 
after initially refusing, uh, she agrees to it because uh, he's going to have her kicked out yeah. if it's she like, does I'm, it. I'm, you know, something, uh, I have a really small esophagus. It's something not a lot of people know about me, but uh, get her out of here. Oh, okay, I'll, I'll do a little. <laughs> do, you think yeah. I, do you think I got a... N- <laughs> Yeah, and she she does some, and she passes right out. Oh, it's fantastic. And then Clint Howard just sits there and giggles, (laughs) which I thought was great, too. This was a fun scene, you know, seeing it it gave us, you know, it did what it needed to do to push the story along, because in order to push the story along, we needed Tilly to find out what was in the case. And she had no reason to open the case prior to the actual end of the mission, except for the fact that this Orion was trying to break into the case while she was passed out from the vapors. So um, it was it was a great way to introduce a funny little quirky scene that also played directly into the plot. I love the way they did this, where it wasn't just a throwaway scene to give some fan service to people having this actor come in. It was actually important to the plot. It did push things along, which was which was great. Yeah, so jumping back to the scene, we have Burnham. She explains her past with the Klingons, her parents' death, as described in the Star Trek novels, Mm -hmm. uh, Star Trek Discovery novels. Tyler then observes uh, some Klingons who appear to be followers of Molor and goes and asks them about the shrine. It's almost like they were pouring one out for their homie. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I I thought that was kind of hilarious. Man, like this whole thing, them referencing the novel. Again, that was one of the things I was like, oh my God, I said it out loud. I was like, this this is her story from the novel. This is... This is her backstory, and I'm so glad that they finally made a reference to it, and they used it as a way to open up to Tyler even more so he could understand where she's coming from about her, you know, hatred of Klingons. But the more time she's on this planet, she's realizing how wrong Starfleet and Philippa are because... Everyone's just living their lives. This is a home for people. And what a great Star Trek Starfleet way of thinking. Like trying to, you know, sympathize with someone who hates you. And it's like, look, they're just trying to live their life on the planet too. And if we blow this up, we're not just ruining the Klingons' lives. We're ruining all the other people that are going to be collateral damage in this. Yeah. Yeah, we we get to finally we we get to find out why she freaked out so much when she saw the Klingons laughing. For those who haven't read the novels, we learn that Michael essentially saw her parents killed. She was hiding when her parents were killed and the Klingons didn't know she was there. That's the only reason she survived was because they didn't know she existed. She was she they didn't know she was there hiding. And after they killed her parents, after they murdered and did worse to her parents, they sat down and ate the dinner that her parents had prepared for them and were sitting around the table laughing and having a good old time, just like the Klingons playing the game two seconds ago. And that's why it freaked her out so much to see that and especially to see Tyler in the middle of all that. Because not only do you see these Klingons laughing and having a good time, but here's the man you've fallen in love with literally acting as one of them. Uh, 
it really was just a brilliant, brilliant scene. I'll be honest, they packed a ton into this episode. Uh, yes, I wanted it to be longer, but they really did pack a lot into these minutes that they used. So I'm not too complaining about that. We'll get to it a little bit later, but... Man, this scene, this this whole scene, this whole thing from from the moment they land on Orion is just jam packed with fabulous character moments. Oh, the, the acting is just so amazing on this show, and for them to be able to portray these emotions in a way that I don't think we've ever seen this level of acting on a Star Trek show before. To be quite honest, I mean, we've had actors who could, in theory, do it. We've seen it. Patrick Stewart is capable of this type of acting, obviously. They never gave him that chance, but maybe two or three times in a seven-season run. But he's capable of it. Uh, This entire cast just killed this the entire season. And in this episode, no exception. Absolutely fantastic act. Definitely. And to the next scene, we have Giorgio having some fun (laughs) with the Orions. I love this, too. (laughs) I I love this, too. Professionals of their trade... (laughs) are telling her how much they learned from her during their time together. Wow. <laughs> uh, Giorgio's had some fun in the Mirror Universe. Uh, it's good to be the Emperor, I guess. Um, <laughs> I, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. And after she's done with them, uh, she attacks them and tries to get information about the shrine's location yep and i love how they all kind of arrive at the same conclusion at the same time like all the parallel (laughs) threads are coming together uh that that's a a really great way to push the story forward as well yeah it was it was cool to see that okay she got the information she needed but they also got the information a different way so it's like they all ended up at the same place at around the same time but first Tilly finds out a little bit more than she wants to know. Right. After she wakes up from her... Uh... Guys, I'm so high right now. <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> yeah, Michael, okay, first of all, I am really high right now. But you need to... Like, she's like, full disclosure, I'm high as a kite. But what I'm about to tell you is not drug-induced. <laughs> it's real. Right. And what is it? She finds that the suitcase she's carrying does not have a drone. That's no drone. It's a hydro bomb. It's a hydro bomb. And Which she calls I'm guessing is she was she was going to really say bad. that they have it on the discovery for something, and she got cut off. So I want to assume that this is just something for some kind of scientific mining or something. Because why would they just have these? you know, lethal bombs on there. Yeah, I think they wanted to have some sort of explanation as to why the ship would be carrying this in the first place, but and and how she recognized what it was immediately. Because otherwise it's like, okay, well, if this is like a specialized weapon that normal people wouldn't know about, like how would she know what it is? So I think that was really kind of a throwaway line to to give us the indication that, okay, yeah, Tilly would recognize this immediately because she knows that they have them. You know, maybe they use them for terraforming or something, you know, whatever. But she would recognize it as opposed to it being some exotic weapon from Lorca's man cave that they didn't know about. Right. Yeah, but before she could finish explaining, Giorgio finds her, knocks her out, and takes the suitcase with her. Damn. Oh. Uh, I, what I found amusing about this scene was the fact that the Orion had been spending the entire time she was passed out trying to cut the part that was around her wrist and didn't quite get through it by the time she woke up. 
and she took less than half a second to break the lock on the case itself and just open it up. <laughs> and I'm like, I can just imagine him looking at it like going, oh, I should have done that. <laughs> but I just, why didn't I just open the case instead of trying to take it off her wrist? Like I could have just opened the case, taken the stuff, and she would have had an empty case chained to her wrist. That's weird. I didn't even notice that it was chained to her wrist. That was oh, her yeah. whole point of being on the mission was she was the one to carry the drone and they had it well, chained to her I, wrist I, so I they couldn't take it. I knew she was carrying the drone, but I don't know. I, I just totally missed that, that it was They, uh, they knew they her. were going into a place populated by thieves and miscreants. So right. They knew the chance of somebody trying to grab it and run was a possibility. So I can understand the security measure of chaining it to her wrist. Yeah, yeah me yeah. too. Yeah, no, I, I definitely understand it. It's just a detail that somehow <laughs> slipped my mind, or my sight, rather. Tyler and Burnham meet with Tilly, who explains that detonating the hydro bomb in an active volcano, which we learn that these volcanoes are not dormant, they're active. That's where they, yeah. how she got high. Uh, it would lead to an apocalyptic explosion that would render the planet uninhabitable. Yeah, I like that since it was hydro bomb. Like, uh, I'm, I'm kind of thinking, tying it back to the Kelvin timeline, the thing that they froze the volcano with in oh. uh, mm. into darkness. Remember? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking it's this a similar technology. And Burnham threw out some scientific term that I, whatever. But <laughs> basically the flash cooling of all that volcanic material would basically cause an epic amount of steam, which would essentially blow up the planet. Yeah. From like cracking it. Like a boiling egg, like exploding from the inside, yeah. essentially. Yeah, they explain that Kronos itself is essentially a vast network of volcanic caves, so everything is basically connected. So this bomb going off inside of an active volcano is going to cause a chain reaction that's going to go planet-wide. And yeah, so it makes sense. I mean, on the one hand, you don't want to think that Starfleet already has planet-killing weapons in its arsenal. Mm -hmm. But then again, if you think about it, Antimatter explosions are big, and if you were to use them on a planet, you could very well burn off the atmosphere, which would be a planet-killing event. So, yeah, technically, Starfleet already does have planet-killing weapons. They just choose not to use them that way because they're Starfleet. Yeah, and, you know, I'm so glad that they have really good simulations. <laughs> what the hell we'll get was there. that? We'll get there. What the hell was that, guys? I'll admit yeah. I didn't catch it the first time. But I did catch it the second time, and I thought, wait, is, did I did I see that right? And then I looked it up online and saw that other people had seen it. So I did catch it before it was posted online. I did not catch it the very first time I saw it, though. But we'll, well, I'll let you speak about that more, Eric. <laughs> no, that's, that's Aaron's gripe. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's all cool. It's all cool. So we so. discover that the Federation is working with Giorgio, using her as kind of a way. I basically they're they're basically using her as a way of plausible deniability. So later yeah, on, she's the scapegoat. It's yeah. like, oh well, she's from a mirror universe, and they're all jerks. So yeah, huh. we can't. Whoops. Oh, <laughs> oops. Oh, the war's over. So I guess all's well that ends well. <laughs> Michael is having none of this, which I love. Indeed. I love that Burnham turns it around, and this is definitely the culmination of the season. She admits that she was wrong a year ago. 
at the Battle of the Binary Stars, and she was trying to save all them, you know, principles be damned. But now she's like, no, our principles are what makes us who we are. She, instead of doing a a mutiny, she basically rallies the crew together and reminds them that, yeah, we're Starfleet. And I love that Saru gets up. You know, he's already like an eight foot tall monstrosity. (laughs) And they had that low angle. And even the hologram of Cornwell looks up at him. (laughs) I thought that was a fantastic shot to show his imposing nature and be like, no, you know what? We are Starfleet. He's literally standing up for all of them. And I thought that was a a little nice touch. Yeah, this Uh, was yet another fantastic scene, very well acted, when we see Michael just laying into Cornwell, really. She's like, listen, I'm in the position I'm in because I made this choice, because I chose what I thought was right to save people over principles. And I've been proven wrong. And you guys need to learn from the fact that I was wrong and know that this isn't the way. This is not the way. And it was just such a fantastic moment. I mean, really bringing everything literally full circle, you know, from from the beginning when Michael was so focused on trying to save everyone that she was willing to literally commit mutiny to where now she's, you know, once again having to fight her orders in order to do the right thing this time. Last time she was trying to do what she wanted to save the people, and now she's fighting to keep them from making the same mistakes she did. Um, Just a a fantastic scene. Right, and we actually learned from After Trek that the whole uh, series was made like from re- what they wanted to end up with and work their way backwards. Mm-hmm. So we they started with this redemption of a character and worked their way back. And I think that worked out very well this season, I think, uh, for the most part. And hopefully they'll continue that kind of art in season two. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's, you know, the way she had to, to come around and just the you know, how her beliefs changed over the course of the story to get to where she was then. Just absolutely perfect. It, it, it really mm-hmm. did exactly what it needed to do as far as that part of the story is concerned. Indeed. And then we learn that Burnham comes up with an alternative plan to blowing up Quonos, which is good, because then if they did, we would know that this was an alternate timeline. <laughs> so that's good, guys. Thanks for not blowing up Quonos. <laughs> so, but, thanks, but thanks for showing us more of it. Right, yeah. With with those cool buildings with the, the weird roofs that we've seen on like Enterprise and Next Generation, they still had those. So great job. And and the green atmosphere, I, I loved it. I the whole representation of, of Quonos was excellent. Yeah, definitely uh spot on. Definitely adds to the tapestry of Star Trek. So we have here Burnham meets Giorgio, says Philippa. You ain't going to blow up this planet. Here's, you know, orders from Starfleet. Your pardon still stands. Give me the detonator. And uh, she kind of fights her a little bit. Burnham pulls her closer with the phaser or destructor that's in her hand. Says, you need to, if you want to get out of here and blow up the planet, you have to go through me first. Yeah, this was another fantastic scene where you see, you know, Burnham comes down there and immediately 
Giorgio knows. She she looks at the little pardon thing that you know the 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 notification that she's still getting her freedom even without carrying out this particular mission. And she looks at she goes, "You talked him out of it, didn't you?" Like she knew. She knew immediately like who did it and what happened. She was like, "You talked them out of it." Oh, and then she tries to she tries to talk back into it. She's like, "Hey, you know what? This isn't going to kill all the Klingons. Some are going to get away." Hey, <laughs> and just think, you know, in my universe, when the Klingons were trying to flee their blowing up world, we had all of our ships out there shooting them down. Like they have, they they don't even have that, you know. Like, hey, we're being nice, <laughs> you know. That was George O was all like, "Hey, we're being we're being way nicer than we have to be here." But yeah, Michael's just like, no, you got your, you wanted your freedom. You agreed to do this for your freedom. I'm telling you now, you have that without doing this. We're going to find another way. So just give me the thing and go about your day. She really, there was, there's little things I didn't like about this scene that tie into what I really did like about this scene. What I loved about this scene was the fact that they finally let Michael realize fully that this is not yes. her Giorgio. She's been clinging to this idea that there's still somehow some of her Giorgio in her, in this emperor. And this was the moment when they finally were like, no, this is Mm -hmm. a completely different person. This is not the person you know. This is not your friend. This is not your mentor. And then they kind of backtrack that a little bit. And, you know, she plays on, okay, well, I'm going to play on the fact that maybe you are still a little bit my Giorgio and you won't want to kill me again. And she, you know, does the whole, like, if you want to get, if you want to do this, you're going to have to kill me first. And I'm like, we just, we just got to the point where you realize she wasn't her. And now you're playing to that aspect again. Uh, Why? So it was kind of a double-edged sword on that one. I I loved it, but then there were little bits of it that I didn't like. Um, But no, I like that Giorgio said straight out, look, I never was your Philippa Giorgio. I'm not that person. And I love the whole dialogue that they had back and forth. But yeah, like, I'm glad that Michael finally woke up. She she was clinging to this hope. Literally, she clinged on to her, and that's what brought her into <laughs> this universe. And that, that was Burnham growing up a bit. Like, she yep. finally realized, like, wow, you're really not my Philippa. Kind of giving up any aspect of that notion. I just hated the be good line. Like, you're never going to expect her to be good because she's from the mirror universe. But uh, other than that part, like, I, I like that, you know, that she was able to talk him down and it wasn't a typical Star Trek, oh no, this is the ultimate bad guy, pew, 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 or, you know, like, like we've seen from the movies as of late, and which I don't like. To me, this felt like a very almost original series or next gen way of solving an issue is, is talking it out and working out the problem without planets being blown up. Unlike the movies. So (laughs) this, this was a really, I thought a really good solution. I just wish they got to it without feeling so rushed, I guess. Yeah. The pace of the, of the, I was going to say movie, the pace of the episode it did like, seem very rushed. It was like, bum, 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 bum. like right. it was just like, okay, solving the problem, solving the problem. It all connects. It all connects. Boom. And we're done. And I was like, yeah. So to, to me, it just, 
I think it wrapped up too neatly with the conflict. I think they could have really shorn the mirror arc by an episode or two and really concentrated more on this end the war arc because Laurel went from being in the brig to now she's in full gear and we didn't get to see any of that. And it was just, uh, and I know we don't have to see everything that happens, but did Tyler beam back up to the ship and, you know, explain the situation to her? Did they share a moment? And now it's like, oh, here's all your old armor back. You're going to retake the Klingon Empire. Here's the plan. Well, no, they no, definitely they didn't didn't do any do of that. that. And I feel like this this episode could have been really fleshed up with a mini arc of its own instead of the four episodes we got in the mirror universe. As fun as those episodes were and as fun as those stories were, I think they could have tied up one. Like they, that short, that super short episode, they mm-hmm. could have spread out to the two episodes before it or after it or to the sides of it, whatever. <sighs> But they could have sacrificed that super short episode and given us more of this mini thing towards the end. Yeah. So that was one of my big gripes about this episode. As as much as I did like the overall story of this episode, it just felt too packed in and too coincidental, some of the things that were going on. The the thing with the Laurel that it did bug me that she was in her full gear but i guess they just you know they just said hey give her her clothes back and beam her down because she was wearing what she was wearing when she was taken so it's not like she went back to her ship and got her clothes you know they just gave her back her clothes but she obviously didn't know why she was brought down there because they literally bring her down there and michael immediately tells her right here in my hand is i i can blow up chronos right now i can blow it up and she's like you bring me down here to gloat then? Like, why am I here? Why, you know, like she didn't even know why she was there. So how are we supposed to know why she was there? Then them turning it around and being like, we're going to give you the power to blow up Kronos if you want, or you can use that power to unify your houses like you originally wanted. But the trade-off is you got to end the war. So that was kind of a, here's the thing. (laughs) And yeah, that part of it, when they got to that, twist as to oh here's how they're going to end the war they did kind of lose me a little bit just a little bit and i'll talk about it a little bit more after we we finish up what happens in the rest of the episode uh sure so we have an interaction between burnham and tyler outside the shrine where he tells her that he's going to be going with laurel to try to help Mm -hmm. both sides by i i guess like trying to soften i would say i don't know softens the right word either soften or guide laurel yeah at this point see this is the reason that my prediction was that tyler was going to die in this episode was because he doesn't really have a place like he doesn't fit with the klingons he doesn't fit with starfleet he doesn't like where does he belong and so I understand why they would have him go with Laurel, but I also question whether that's going to be a good final solution for him or if we're going to, hey, maybe we see Tyler come back later on and be like, hey, you know what? I realized I can't be with them. And so that's okay with me, too. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing him back. It was it, it's a very tough call for him because he literally doesn't fit in any world right now. So he just has to pick where he thinks he can do the most good. 
And honestly, what are his choices? If he's with Lorel, she's at least going to treat him as an advisor. Whereas if he stays with Starfleet, he'll most likely be a curiosity. He'll most likely be something that's tested and poked and prodded and, you know, never trusted. He's never going to get a commission again. He's never going to to be a Starfleet officer again. That's not going to happen. So I understand his choice here. And it, it makes sense from a certain point of view, but it also makes sense that we could potentially see him again trying to come back to the to the Federation side. Yeah, my only, I don't know if it's a gripe or if it's, I put it under my pros, but Tyler here, even though he is actually a Klingon, he's folk, he has all of Tyler's memories and also knows a heck of a lot about Starfleet in their tactics. And I don't <laughs> know if it's a good thing to allow him to be with the Klingons. Mm. Since he's pretty much human now, uh, he yeah he's he's human and he knows all of what Tyler knows. I guess my worry is that the Klingons will use the knowledge to do some bad things, which is probably why they had him leave before ever coming back to Discovery. Because if he had come back to Discovery and then said, oh, hey, guys, I'm going to take off now, they'd be like, hey, uh, no. <laughs> um, but the fact that he leaves with Laurel and never comes back to Discovery after the away mission, that's what kind of makes it like, yeah, they probably aren't going to be happy about it, but there's also nothing they can do about it now. So they're right. just going to have to trust that Laurel is going to do what she's promising and end the war, and therefore his information is going to be not useful. That mm -hmm. also does, however, give us a possible uh, retcon for the reason that Starfleet does not know how to break Klingon cloak in the future. Tyler would probably have the information be like, oh, here's how they broke your cloak. And then they would be able to adjust the cloak to fix that. So that could explain why Discovery's cloak break doesn't work in future seasons. Well, I'm sure that they, as time goes on, they just improve the the cloak. Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of ways to 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 cover that theory, but there's one. You know, the fact that oh, right. Tyler can tell them exactly, like literally, he was on the mission that broke the cloak. Like he can tell them exactly how they broke it, and therefore they would know exactly how to change the cloak to break the break, hack the hack, if you will. So it's one yeah. it's one thing. You know, you could look at it and be like, okay, well, this covers one little aspect. Like, hey, in TOS, they didn't know how to break Klingon cloak. Well, this is why. Because they had information from Starfleet as to how they had broken it at one point. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, good point. All around, I am, I'm okay with the Tyler going with Laurel. I would have been okay with Tyler staying with Starfleet as well, or staying with Burnham. But it did give them I, that moment. I don't think, you know, like, Burnham claims to not necessarily have forgiven his Klingonness, but she, you know, she tells him, I see you in your eyes. Where, you know, previous episodes she had said, when I look in your eyes, I see Vogue's eyes. I see the eyes that tried to kill me. And at the end of this episode, she's like, I see you again. I feel like that's one of those things that she was only able to get past because he was leaving. If she was staying, I still think there would be that conflict between them where she would sometimes see Voke in him. I think in order for that forgiveness to happen, he had to leave. Yeah, but he does leave a piece of him with her when he leaves. He gives her the rope with the knot, yep. the knot that won't slip 
to Burnham as he leaves. Yeah. Yeah, they they share a hug and a kiss and he slips her the the rope that he was tying, you know, little little something to tie them together in the future. Dum, da, dum. Yeah, it was it was a really good moment, I felt. And like I said, I think it's a moment that they couldn't have had if he had stayed. I feel if he had stayed that she wouldn't have been able to to let go of the Klingon aspect and that she was only able to do so because he was leaving. One of those weird psychological things that, again, I think was played beautifully by the actors here. Indeed. And then we kind of push forward to the next scene where we have Laurel in front of the houses of the Klingon Empire. And I laughed as much as the Klingons did in thinking (laughs) that this flimsy plot line would even work. Yeah. It is such a weak weak thing to tie uh, somehow this is the thing a freaking bomb that they planted that the federation planted they could just kill laurel and it wouldn't like set anything off or they could just drill into the effing planet and find the bomb and destroy it like this is such a weak thing that brings them all together it's it's just very laughable yeah definitely one of my low points for this episode the klingons all standing down due to laurel's threat i mean yeah she's like hey i'm gonna bring us all together and like ha ha and then she's like no look seriously i can blow up the planet they're like oh my gosh oh I, i guess we all better do what she said i'm like okay i can see some Klingons reacting that way and being like, oh, well, maybe we should think about this. But for every Klingon across the galaxy to suddenly stand down just because she's holding the bomb. uh, Which they have no proof is an actual bomb. Yeah, yeah. You know, she's holding a a Federation pad that like, okay, and your point? (laughs) Yeah, there's, there's nothing that necessarily indicates, like, I guess they believe her, you know, maybe she has some sort of way to to prove it. Uh, Maybe there's, you know, whatever, but still, even if she's able to prove it to the people in that room, does that necessarily mean that every Klingon everywhere is going to stand down, especially when they're, you know, literally fighting amongst each other? Right. I, I don't think so. So I feel that that doesn't necessarily seem plausible that only her threat. And obviously it doesn't hold for very long because we never hear about Lorel, the leader of the Klingons, in any future shows. So, uh, you know, we know that she doesn't keep this power for, for too long anyway. That part, while they needed... It was necessary because if Burnham had just gone against everything and been like, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, but not given them any other option, then they would have they would have had to still do it. They were committed to the action at that point. Without an alternative plan, they wouldn't have stood down. Starfleet would have blown up the planet. So they needed something to to pass the buck, as it were. Right, and I, just, um, I mean, given I just the options, this is the best one. Yeah, I, I just, it seems a little far-fetched that all Klingons across the galaxy would stand down immediately due to that threat and literally just a threat not even proof necessarily right and then we have Klingons which are literally at our doorstep to earth just like okay I guess we'll turn around that was so dumb they show that at the beginning of the episode you can literally see the planet like it's earth is right there (laughs) and you got these dudes just kind of hovering there like oh man are we gonna chill here for a couple hours or what yeah like what the hell was that it was I let it go at the beginning of the episode because I thought it was a cool 
scene, the way they did it, like they showed the way they shot is fine. But then, oh, they fly away. They got the magic signal to <laughs> come home, boys. War's over. Like, give me a freaking break. Yeah, they, it was dumb. The very beginning of the episode shows this Klingon fleet, and and of course, it's not a huge fleet. They only show like six or seven ships, so it might not have been like a huge planet destroying fleet. It might have just been a little offshoot that that got there. But they literally show them just outside the orbit of Jupiter. You know, they say the target has been acquired in Klingon. Um, actually, one of the coolest things I thought about this episode was that the previously on Discovery was was all in Klingon. They Then they show this, you know, small fleet of Klingon ships saying the target has been acquired. And then they zoom in. They show that they're just outside the orbit of Jupiter. And they zoom in to Earth, which does give us a cool scene because we see that there's cities on the, on the moon. We see the, the star base that we see in, uh, I think, was it the motion picture or was it star, was it two that we see this star base fully built? We see it under construction right now mm-hmm. and satellites and lots of lights and stuff, blah, blah, blah. But so the Klingons, at least this small group of them are very, very close. They're within our solar system at this point. But then the way they pull back, they, they do this swipe shot and then all of a sudden it's it's Kronos. And then they pull back showing Discovery outside Kronos' system. So it's like, okay, yeah, they're close to our doorstep, but we're also right on their doorstep about to do some stuff. So I, I accepted it at the beginning because of the way they did that whole shot, like the juxtaposition of the Klingons are right outside our doorstep, but we're and right, we're outside, right outside theirs. No, I love that. But this trash at the end, like, all right, bye. Like, ugh. Yeah, they were way too close to the end. Like, if they had still been chilling out past Jupiter, like, okay. But no, they were, like, just outside the moon's orbit at the point when they, like, veered <laughs> off. It's like, they're, like, right there. Like, where are our defense forces? Like, wasn't every ship except Discovery supposed to be defending Earth right now? <laughs> right. So they must have been, like, really up close to Earth. I guess they drew the line there. Yeah, I, I'm uh, like, I, yeah, that that end scene, while pivotal in showing that the Klingons were breaking off the attack, they were way too close at that point. That was, it was it was too close. And again, you know, the fact that they're doing this just based on the threat that Lorel is making back on their home world, it's like, well, you know, how long does it take for a signal to get from Kronos to Earth? You know, would they have even gotten the signal in time to, to hold off on the attack? Plus the fact that they weren't beholden to a central command. These are independent houses working on their own, you know? So, like, how did they get this signal to... Uh, I agree with you guys. That, that part was unnecessary. Indeed. But, hey, the war's over, uh, so let's jump to Paris. Uh, I, I don't know how far in the future this is. Long enough for... We don't know whether or not the Discovery jumped back or not. They don't say. Oh, it must have because it was inside of the planet. Yeah, yeah they, they would have had, had to at least to. jump out of the planet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you're going to jump out of the planet, I guess you might as well no, jump they, home. They just warp the... F- right out the planet and Kronos blows up anyway. Whoops. <laughs> like, oh, oh, sorry. We had no idea what activating a warp field inside your planet's crust would do. Sorry. Our bad. We'll buy the beers. God, what if they accidentally teleported into the active volcano and triggered the destruction of Kronos anyway? <laughs> Yeah, that would have stunk. <laughs> uh, there was no guarantees that those Vulcan maps were accurate. <laughs> like, oops. M- a month or weeks at least later. It was long enough that well, we know that things were a little bit out of time 
at this point we're seeing things jump back and forth because we're hearing and in fact actually you know throughout the episode we're hearing Burnham giving this speech right and we see her oh. giving this speech at the end like so we're hearing I, this speech as the I episode love progresses that whole narration of how they worked that in that was a beautiful oh moment. yeah it was it was the, oh it was amazing the, the last seven minutes of this episode fantastic wouldn't change a thing the rest of this episode <laughs> fix it <laughs> We know that things are a little bit out of place here because we're we're hearing her giving this speech and we're seeing the crowd at this point. But then we jump back to Sarek giving her her rank badge back. But when we see her giving the speech, she's got the rank badge. So we know that those scenes happened before she's actually giving the speech. So the timing at this point, we're jumping back and forth a little bit because we're not we're hearing things happen that are happening after what we're seeing. <laughs> you right. Know what I'm saying? So, Does that make any sense at all? No, but that's cool. <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh, so <laughs> Sarek gives her he tells her that the president has pardoned her and she's reinstated by Starfleet. As a commander. I was a little surprised only that they reinstated her to full rank. Like, I was was fully expecting, if she doesn't die, that she's getting pardoned and reinstated into Starfleet. I didn't necessarily expect that they'd bring her back at full commander right away. Like, I, I didn't know if they might, you know, drop her a couple of ranks, make her work. You know, obviously, you know... They make a, They do make a point that she is not the first officer of the Discovery. You know, she is the science officer on the Discovery. So, but I, it was kind of surprising to me that they brought her back at full rank. I, I would have thought they would have at, at least docked her a rank or two for the whole thing. But I guess a, a pardon and and a complete, you know, her record was expunged. So that means essentially as far as the record is concerned, it never happened. Which again ties into canon because we know that Spock had said that there is no record of a mutiny ever happening on a Starfleet vessel. Oh, he right. chose his so, words yeah, carefully. They expunged it from her record. Oh my God. It's all making sense. <laughs> yeah. So now, now Spock's words make even like, it makes even more sense what Spock said in that episode, because he chose his words Whoa. very carefully. There is absolutely no record of such an occurrence ever happening on a Starfleet vessel. Oh, because he knows he he's got the know. full story. But there's no record of it, so no, 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 no. Oh, <laughs> um, man. No, that part, I love the – and I figured that's where they were going to go. I'm like, either she's going to die right. and they're going to posthumously expunge her record, like they're going to erase that from her record to give her full honors you know, with burial mm-hmm. or whatever, or she's going to get a full pardon with you know expunge record and all that. And that's what they did. I, I was just a little surprised that they gave her full rank back. I, I would have expected them to – Maybe throw her in a ensign or lieutenant, you know, but mm-hmm. to give her full commander back right away, I was like, okay, well, all right then. So you guys well, are just think, literally pretending it never happened, okay? <laughs> no, I think that she was so instrumental in how the mirror universe events played out that she went up, she literally went above and beyond the the duty to save her ship and her teammates. So I think the pardon coupled with all of her actions that she did to help end the war, I could see them restating her rank. I, I really didn't have an issue with that. 
Uh, neither did I. I thought it was fine. I, I didn't have a problem with it. It just surprised me a little bit. I thought right. that they would have. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I thought maybe they would have doctor a rank or two, but it, it, yeah, I don't it have a problem. It reminds with me it. of like in the movies when they that you know, oh Admiral Kirk and he, <laughs> you know, did that crap, and then oh well, we're gonna demote you. Yeah, we're gonna to punish Captain. you. We're gonna punish <laughs> yeah. you by giving you the flagship of the fleet. <laughs> Shame exactly. on you. So, Here's the best ship we have. <laughs> so I thought I thought it was a very similar a very similar situation. I almost got sim, simulation <laughs> and situation confused, much like the via, uh, visual effects people of this episode. Indeed. So the crew <laughs> of Discovery is honored. Uh, a bunch of them. I don't know if all of them, but a bunch of them are given these cool. Medal of Honor, I guess. Uh, all of all of the bridge crew were given the Medal of Honor. Stamets was promoted to Lieutenant Commander. Colbert was uh, awarded uh, posthumously. Saru's the first captain. And Tilly is now a full ensign in the command program, the command training program. So she's getting exactly what she wants right now. Oh, yeah, she's getting it. And... hey <laughs> Uh, that sounded way dirtier than I think you intended it. <laughs> uh, I don't know what I'm saying at the moment. Uh, actually, Eric, uh, you brought up earlier the medals that Cornwell has on her uniform are very similar, if not identical, to the ones that Kirk wears on his dress uniform in yes. the original series. Great attention to detail. I really loved it. I think it was pointed out in a screenshot by uh, Trek Core or, or one of those guys. I was like, oh my God, that's that's such an amazing detail. And I, I really do think that the writers, the production people, all of them really do respect canon and are trying to fit Discovery within that. And I appreciate that. So little details like this really delight me. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was awesome to see that. Next, the Discovery is dispatched to Vulcan to pick up their new captain. And So I'm like, hmm, Vulcan captain, eh? A. Yeah, and um, let's see, age progression. Um, are we looking at uh, Captain T'Pol here? I don't. I'm just saying it's a possibility. I, that that was a, that was a fan theory I heard floating around, and my God, I would love for that to be true. But how she old would, be, would she be? <laughs> she would be super old, though. <laughs> well, yeah, but she's Vulcan, so she could be super old, and the age progression, as far as looks, would probably track with the actress today. But so. Can we get Jolene Blaylock back? Yeah, that's because... what I'm saying. I mean, but but I don't know if she's a good enough actor. That, that is an issue. What has she done since Enterprise? I mean, I, I honestly don't know if I've seen her in anything since Enterprise. I just I've been watching a show on Showtime called Bosch. I don't know if either of you guys are familiar with this, but it's uh, based... I, I've I've heard of it. It's on uh, it's Amazon on Amazon Prime. Prime. Yeah, it's and it's based on uh, the character Hieronymus Bosch is a Michael Connelly character who is a uh, mystery writer who I love, and he's you know he's one of these prolific mystery writers you know a la James Patterson you. Know, who makes writes a lot of books and they have the one main character who progresses through all of the books and Bosch is that main character. The series is based on 
that character while not being any one of those specific books. Uh, it's actually really well done. I, I highly recommend it. If you like mysteries, check it out. It's on Amazon Prime streaming. But I bring it up only because Linda Park was in the last season of it. Oh. So I hadn't seen her in anything since Enterprise either. Uh, and then she turned up in this last season of uh, Bosch. So I was like, oh, hey, she's still around. That's cool. Oh, uh, a little tidbit I'm going to throw in uh, if we're talking about all the little continuity things. I freaking giggled when Giorgio said, oh, we've we have no time for bread and circuses. And I'm like, (laughs) because that's an original series episode title. (laughs) That that was so great. Yeah. And then, of course, the you know what? On second thought, maybe the circus is exactly where we need to start. No, it's interesting because the original series episode titles were book titles on Giorgio's mm-hmm. Ready Room, correct? Some of them were, yeah, yeah. It wasn't yeah. all of them, yeah. but so, yeah, a lot of the book titles on her in her Ready Room were TOS titles. So I wonder if that's a book in both universes that both Giorgio's have read. Ooh. She was reading a book in one of the scenes. I don't know if it was in this, no, in the episode prior. When Burnham walks in, she's reading a book. I wonder. I wonder what book it was. Based but on anywho, what, based on what happens <laughs> later on, I'm wondering if it was the history of Philippa Georgiou, <laughs> because oh, she obviously yeah. knew all about it when she uh, took over as our Georgiou. But yeah, that could be interesting. Uh, little tidbits. Maybe we'll see a hint of that in season two. Indeed. So Sarek comes along with Discovery to Vulcan. And Stamets tells Burnham and Tilly that Starfleet wants to find a non-human interface for the Spore Drive, so it's out of commission for now. Which, uh, womp womp. okay, I'm obviously they have to figure out a way to get rid of the Spore Drive for future because we don't see it in any other episodes. I feel they wasted a golden opportunity. There was a perfect, obvious way for them to get rid of the spore drive and have it completely covered up that they didn't use. Like, yeah, the whole non-human interface, that's great and everything, but that still leaves it open. That means there's still scientists working on this, actively trying to make it work. Instead, just be like, hey, you know what? This can access the mirror universe. We're burying all knowledge of the mirror universe. That includes the spore drive, which can access it. Boom, done. You're yeah, you're covered. And Instead, I thought that's they that's I thought that's where they were going with this. Yeah, I don't understand and, why they put that throwaway. They're looking for a well, non-human uh, interface. Uh, no. See, I, my only my only way that this would be fit in with continuity is if this somehow evolves into the failed trans warp program that we see in the original series movies. Yeah, I, I could I could see that or at least some sort of progression. Right. I I think that the line was put in there just so that they can use the spore drive in the future on Discovery. And, and in- then and then come up with a way to if resolve that, it in the future. Yeah. Yeah. If they're planning on using the spore drive somehow in season two, then okay. Then I'm okay with them not burying it yet. If this is the last we hear of the spore drive, then I feel that they missed an opportunity. I mean, this whole ship is made to 
to jump. So Well, that would I, explain why we don't see any more crossfield-class starships in the future, because why right. Why build them when they're, when they're built specifically for this purpose, you know? so Exactly. And now Discovery is the only one left. Yeah, there were Unless, only two of them, as far as I know. Right. As far as I know, so the crossfield class is then buried because it was designed for this. And unless they use the spore drive in season two, I think this was a missed opportunity to to lump the spore drive in with the whole mirror universe. As far as why we've never heard of it ever again, the fact that they leave it open to be something that's still being investigated by Starfleet. So there are still Starfleet scientists working on this technology. Like, mm-hmm. why didn't this, you got to wonder like, hey, when Voyager's stuck in the, you know, why aren't they going through the database? And like, oh, hey, well, back in 20 something, whatever, they were using this type of technology. I wonder if we could figure out, you know, even if it's just a throwaway line, like, oh, we can't use that because it causes blah, 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 blah. Okay, fine. But the fact that it's never mentioned again, you gotta have a reason for that. You, you but gotta I have a thought, reason. I thought the mirror universe was the perfect explanation. Yeah, and yeah they did perfect with the mirror universe. Like they could have lumped the spore said, drive right Spock. into that. <laughs> uh, and Sarek said it perfectly. We were in a time of war. A lot of people died. People would love to hear news about this of of that their family members are still alive, even if they're alternate versions. And that's why we have to shut up about this. Exactly. But and yeah, they could have there's still some drive. scientists like, well, what did this do? Yeah. Mirror universe. <laughs> da, da, da. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that's why I feel they could have lumped the spore drive in with that. Because obviously at this point, I'm pretty sure Stamets could jump to the mirror universe and back without an issue. I think he's learned at this point, having navigated back and forth, he knows what to look for. Like he could do it. I think he could do it. And so the fact of the matter is, like, they need to bury that information because otherwise people would be coming to him being like, hey, I need you to jump me over to the mirror universe and, and find my daughter who died or my son who died or my father or, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Like, that's why they would have to, like, I feel like that's how they, they should have lumped it all together. Unless, of course, like mm-hmm. I said, if they are planning on using the spore drive in season two, which they still can. I mean, we still have, what, eight, nine years of time between now and TOS to figure uh, out. Well, now, yeah, we've got nine years. Yeah, yeah. So if they if they use the spore drive in some way in season two, then okay. But no more. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that pretty much brings us to the cliffhanger oh, for season two. Yes. Oh, my God. So... All of this happens. We know they're headed towards Vulcan. They're going to go get their new Captain Vulcan. But en route, little something happens. This is Captain Saru of the Federation Starship Discovery. Please identify yourselves. Hail from Captain Pike, sir. It's the USS Enterprise. That's right. They I, went there. I, I think I teared up a bit just now. Um, I get chills every time. I really do. Like every time. 
the when the music starts when, and they show that uh, the ship starts coming in and man. you're like ooh yeah <laughs> when this first aired and when Teresa and I were watching it she and I were like jumping out of our seats like when she she was just like she was shook and I was shook and I'm like oh my god it's the enterprise like and when Sarek and Burnham exchange looks because they know who's on that ship i was like (laughs) oh my god they're doing it this is awesome i loved it i kind of saw it coming (laughs) but i loved it as well you're a jerk (laughs) i I saw it coming as soon as they is like i'm trying to figure out the call signal and it's like ncc 17 i'm like okay Yeah, they're not gonna what be like one seven oh two. Hey, it's the uh, freaking Jonestown <laughs> or whatever the hell that. I don't know what one seven oh two is. I don't. I'm sorry, but yeah, as soon as I saw the NCC one seven, I'm like, oh, they're doing it. They're bringing in the Enterprise. Yeah, it's uh, awesome. Uh, the Enterprise was updated in its look, which yeah, we I did liked. see a little bit different liked. Enterprise than than you're used to if you're watching if you're looking at TOS, which. I'm perfectly okay with, personally. I know there's a lot of people I've seen online complaining that they wanted it to look exactly like TOS, and I'm like, (sighs) I'm sorry, the technology of filmmaking has just come so far. I don't, it would have looked out of place. Like, if they literally brought the model of the TOS Enterprise in, it would have been like, oh, what's this? (laughs) Yeah, and it wouldn't look like an advanced constitution class cruiser because when they were going into the files for uh the the defiant you know they were like "Ooh, you know wow constitution class like i mean the constitution class was the premier class of ship during that time the enterprise was supposed to be the flagship of the fleet you know it was supposed to be the be all end all you know this is the the best And you can't have a thing that looks like it's from the 60s floating in on a string (laughs) compared to the Discovery because it's not going to hold up. And all of the basic shapes were there. Mm -hmm. They still had the little grill on the back like the pilot model, the grill on the back of the nacelles, just like the pilot model back then. It still has got the fins. I thought it was a perfect perfect mesh of what we've seen from Starfleet in Discovery thus far and what we expect from the Enterprise of that era. I I really thought thought whoever designed it, the team or the person who worked on the design of this Enterprise, they must have I I imagine them spending sleepless nights trying to figure out how to merge these styles and you know what? It was worth it. It was worth all of your sleepless nights, whoever you are and I'm sorry that I don't have the name of the person to, to give them credit right now, but whoever you are, I appreciate the time that you spent doing this because I can tell that there was time spent. What I loved were all the visual callbacks also to Enterprise because even on the, the Bussard Ram scoops, there was like the little claws that the NX-01 oh, yeah. had. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I thought this was a better reboot Enterprise design than the Kelvin ship. 
This oh, was way better. This is close enough, and the the overall shape is exact. It's still got the triangular middle neck. It still has the round port windows on the edge of the saucer section. It's still got the dome. It's still got the dish on the front with the, the concentric rings behind it. All of the, the whole silhouette is exact. It's perfect. It's just heavily updated to look more as techy and metallic like Discovery and all the other ships that we've seen in this yeah. show so far. Yeah. And I cannot wait for their update of the bridge, even if we get to see the interior at all. I have no idea what they're going to do. One, one more callback before we get back, and it ties into Enterprise. Remember when the cage happened, there was that overhead shot that went into the dome of the ship yes. in the cage. Yes. And they replicated it for discovery before they <laughs> met the Enterprise. It was beautiful. And yeah. that, I think that was my first hint that we were getting the Enterprise. Because I'm like, my God, that shot, they replicated what they did in the cage. Yeah. I, I recognize that, that bridge shot instantly, as I think any diehard Trekkie would. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no doubt. Yeah, it was it was a great scene and a great way to wrap up the the season, especially because I felt that they they did wrap up this season. It was very much, you know, when they ended the season it felt like okay, this was a season that was written knowing that they were not guaranteed a second season. Right. And then this and bit was kind of an add-on yeah. that could proceed into a second season if they got it. And of course we know that, you know, within the first what, like 3 episodes, by the time the third episode had aired, they had renewed it for a second season, but at the time everything was written, it, it wasn't for sure. So I'm very glad that we got a complete story and then a teaser into a second season. So I'm I'm good with that. And yeah, this was definitely, you know, in the moment I was all chills and just excited. It was a fantastic way to end the episode. Yeah, I couldn't have seen them ending this any other way. I thought overall the season was good. There's still some lingering plot threads, which I'm yeah. not happy with, like the black badges. <laughs> I know the black badges. We'll get there. It's become, it's become a joke, but they focus so much on that first episode they that the, when the prisoner it. was like, whoa, black badges, I've never seen that before. And it's like, well, yeah, none of us have. What the hell is that? Yeah. And so I don't know if this was a Brian Fuller concept that they dropped or, or what, but they made such a big deal of it in that third episode that yeah. I was like, oh, maybe that's a thing. And then it wasn't a thing. And I'm <laughs> like, why not? Yeah. Right. I was hoping that some of the interesting things that Lorca had laying around was being guarded by those black badges. So I'm wondering if Giorgio has in her possession whatever they were guarding. But that still wouldn't explain what they are. Right. Uh, yeah, because yeah, they weren't guarding his little man cave. Like, that uh, yeah, was no, the area where he had all of were, his stuff. Maybe, but there was probably something else that those black badges were 
we're, we're guarding, yeah. So it looks like I mean, I'm taking a look at the the show notes we made, and it looks like most of the we we had some pros and cons listed, and it looks like most of the pros from both of you guys we've covered already. I don't know if there was yeah. anything you guys wanted to add. There was a couple of things that I wanted to to say, but I'll let you guys uh, interject before I do so. If there's anything that you didn't cover that you thought was a pro no. before we start, because we're about to get to the complaining section of the show. No, I thought overall this season was fantastic. Of course, there were some points where I was like, oh, why the hell did they do that? <laughs> overall, they did a good job. I, I think there was some missteps. Like, I think they had a little bit too much fun in the Mirror Universe. I, I'm not saying the characters themselves, but I think the, the production crew. Like, I get it. These huge sets, you want to use as much of that money as possible. Mm-hmm. But the, I think the story took a little bit of that. The end game took a big hit because there was just a lot of leaps that happened where it's like, well, why? Overall, I I thought the, the end game was very weak. But at the same time, this final episode had a lot of great moments in it. All the interpersonal stuff, Burnham's resolution to her redemption was great like and i i love that her and tyler kind of reconnected a bit but then he got pulled away again so there's a lot of give and take here in this episode that i really enjoyed and they left some of those plot threads open Uh, i'm not too sure how much i want to see mirror uh again so that, that, that's it for me. Like, uh, I, I think the positives were pretty good and, and some of the negatives, uh, I actually think I went through all my negatives, so I'll stop talking. You guys, you guys covered like everything. Like, and I, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, Oh, I don't want to be the only one talking, but you know, I'm not afraid of that either. Anybody right. who's listened to the show when I'm on it knows that I like to talk. There's Indeed. a reason I'm a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have any other positives. I I feel like I have a negative for the overall episode. All right, um, well, let me uh, let me cover my positives real sure. quick, and then we'll get into uh, any any cons that we have left. Um, one thing that I thought was really good about this particular episode was the fact that it was a story based episode. My fear going into this episode was that it was going to attempt to out action. The previous episode. And I think yes. that that last episode that we saw in the Mirror Universe, there is no way they're going to out-action that one. That's because it was fantastic. It was so well done. It was great. I loved it. And if they had tried to outdo it for the finale, it would have it would have either fell flat or it would have made that one feel weak. And so I'm glad they didn't try to do that one. This one was very, very story-based, and I liked that. So I thought that was very, very well done. I also thought that they wrapped up most of the storylines very well. There were a few lingering things that we'll talk about, but uh, most of the storylines were kind of wrapped up nicely. And I am also glad that none of our predictions, we, we predicted, all three of us had predictions for this episode, and none of those came true. I predicted that Tyler was going to die. He didn't die. Eric, or Aaron predict, predicted that uh, Burnham was going to die. She didn't die. And Eric Berry, you predicted that uh, there was going to be a giant mushroom reset button. Big hit. old mushroom reset. <laughs> and that didn't happen. Not yet, anyway. We still have time in season two for a giant mushroom reset, so we never know. But it didn't happen in this episode. So I am kind of glad, because we have complained about how we've seen things coming. Well, we all made predictions and none of them came true. So, But I would like to say, I would like to interject real quick. Mm-hmm. In a prior episode, I, I predicted the cliffhanger. 
Well, yeah, yeah. And I, I, and I, I believe I agreed with you. I felt that what they were going to do was exactly what they did was that they had, they wrapped up the main story because they, they didn't know for sure if they were going to have a season two, but then they were going to add a little bit of a teaser once they right. got, and I felt that that is exactly what they did that they had their, they wrapped up the story and then like, Oh, Hey, we have a season two. Okay. We can tack on a minute of teaser. And that's kind of what I think they did. So those were my positives. And then we have our constitution classes. <laughs> I, I, I had to add that in. I saw the cons and yeah. I was like, this is constitution <laughs> class because of the enterprise. Well, once I saw that. I loved Eric... it. I loved it. That's why I had to say it. Like it's in our show notes. It's like a, a little inside thing, but I loved it. So I had to say it. Once I saw it, I was like, man, he's going to like just unleash <laughs> hatred on the updated Enterprise, but um, no, I'm glad... No, I, I, I loved it. Yeah, I'm glad uh, you softened your uh, your tone yeah, on the Enterprise. Yeah, because your original, your first response was hashtag not my Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> it was, because I was like, uh, listen, I am... I, I mean, I, I am a diehard Trekkie like you guys, and I, I can understand people's need for a visual continuity. I get that. Enterprise at the end when they did that shitty, shitty ending and it was like all the enterprises and, and they even had the updated, I mean, in a mirror darkly, it had the standard constitution class defiant. There you go. And those graphics worked fine, but listen, the CGI technology has evolved since 2005. And I get that now. I understand that you can't have a white hole enterprise next to nice as discovery when they're already going with that kind of movie look. These, all of these visual effects are movie quality. Yeah. These, this isn't just a show. This is them putting $8 million an episode, you yeah. know, $8 million into an episode. This is all of that money on screen. Yeah. So I'm glad that the enterprise, when you visually look at it as a whole, all of the shapes are there. All of the little bips and boops that you come to know and love on the USS Enterprise are there. They even had the freaking triangle things on the underside of the, the yep. saucer section. Those yep. were still there. The stupid triangle things that are a part of this the saucer. It's all there. All of the details are there. They've just been elevated. Yep. So right. I, I love it. And the faster that we come to accept that this is the way it's going to be, the happier we're all going to be as a fandom. Yeah. So there I you go. I, I, I totally agree as well. Yeah. It's like I said, it's filmmaking has evolved. You have to accept that it's going to look a little different, but they've done a fantastic job. One of the things I've noticed about Discovery over the course of the season is that they've done a very, very good job, a better job, I think, because I know Enterprise did this as well, but it always it always felt out of place on Enterprise. Like, for some reason, I always noticed it, and it took me out of the moment when they did it on Enterprise. But in Discovery, it seemed to fit. Every now and then, the random bridge sound effect that you mm, would yeah. get that was obviously TOS. In Discovery, it seemed to fit every single time. Whereas on Enterprise, I always felt like they were just tossing it in. Like, it always felt extra in Enterprise. But on TOS, uh, on Discovery, I feel they've done a very good job of bringing in those particular beeps and boops in the right times to make it 
just feel right. So, yeah, uh, with the updating of the technology, I mean, yeah, people are going to complain that Klingons don't look like the Klingons I know. Well, everybody who's watched a Star Trek show has seen a different version of Klingons. I'm, I've just learned to accept that, guess what? Every Star Trek show is going to have a different Klingon. I get it. I don't care. Technology advances. We have to advance with it. And that's what Star Trek is doing. And I think Discovery did a fantastic job with that. Did they need to make as many changes to the, the Klingons and the Andorians as they did? Maybe, maybe not. I, I don't know. I know that it looks good. And I know that as somebody who's watched all of the series... I can sit here and complain like, oh, it doesn't look like the Klingons I know. But you also have to think about the people for whom this is their first Star Trek. You can't cater only to the people who have watched Star Trek in the past. You have to be constantly trying to get new fans. So obviously they're mm-hmm. going to have to do what they can to bring in new people, new viewers. Now, now, to go on that point, a prime example is my wife. She knows I love Star Trek. I've been trying to get her to watch, you know, the original series, all mm-hmm. that stuff. I've been trying to slowly get her through it. <laughs> what has what has got her to watch Star Trek? All of the JJ movies. She loves Chris Pine. <laughs> all, all of that stuff. She loves she loves the Kelvin universe. Discovery, she's been there for it the entire time. <laughs> And she just got excited. She wants to see Zachary Quinto as Spock on Discovery. It could work. Like, that's how... I don't know if they would. I, it's going to be. I, I, no, I, I get that. But... I don't want to get into that discussion. But my point is, as a newer fan of Star Trek, she is. She was so excited to hear that jingle and see <laughs> the Enterprise. Yep. As excited as I was to see that. And for new fans who mm-hmm. who know kind of the history or like, oh yeah, you know, James T. Kirk, whatever. And uh, uh, Captain Pike. And she knew Captain Pike because of the J.J. movie. Yep. So, and Alex Kurtzman, executive producer on this show. So... For new fans, this is fantastic. And I get so happy watching her reactions. We're discovering this (laughs) together, you know? Like, this series is going to be a great intro for many new fans. And and I love that. And I love that I get to experience that firsthand with my wife. It's it's fantastic. So I I just wanted to like add on yeah. to your point, Eric. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's gonna bring new fans in. It's also it's I think a good melding of the JJ verse visuals. <laughs> a melding that, of the minds, perhaps. Well, uh, ooh. <laughs> it it's a good blend of the JJ verse visuals that we get from the big budget movies. And the actual Star Trek universe that we're used to from the television series. And I think they've done a very, very good job of melding those two. And, you know, they've got a fine line to walk. They're never going to make everybody happy. There's always going to be somebody who complains about something. And, you know, to that point, there are a few things that I didn't like about this season finale. First of all, I did think it was a little too short. You know, um, as we've said, there may have been a little bit too much time spent in the mirror universe that they could have spent on the season finale or on the finale, on the wrap up of the war. Um, maybe we didn't, you know, the time loop episode was fun and Harry Mudd was fun and everything, but it literally was a throwaway episode in a season that shouldn't have had throwaway episodes. 
I mean, that that particular episode did almost nothing to progress any of the characters. You know, the only thing we got out of that well, episode... I think, I think it did progress uh, the relationship between Stamets and Burnham. We, I, I felt it progressed the relationship between Tyler and Burnham a little bit more than Stamets and Burnham. But, you know, the, I'm glad that they did work at least something in. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, it was almost completely throwaway. I, I love the episode. It's a fun episode. Don't get me wrong. I, I love watching it. And it's probably one of the only episodes from the entire season that you could just watch by itself and not worry about the rest of the storyline. It's just a fun episode. So I'm not complaining about the existence of the episode. I just worry that maybe when they were writing it, they weren't sure... You know, I know they originally thought they were only going to get 13 episodes, and then they were bumped up to 15 episodes, and that's why we thought we got a two-episode intro, whereas some of that was just going to be told via flashback instead of an actual episode. Maybe they could have... Maybe those first two episodes could have been one little bit longer episode, and we could have gotten another episode concluding the war. You know, it's easy to second-guess going back and looking at what they've done after the fact, of course, but yes, I think that, like Eric said, I think there is some some places where they could have moved some time around to give us a little bit more satisfaction at this ending because there were places where it felt a little rushed, especially since there were so many times over the rest of the season where I felt they avoided this, where I really Mm -hmm. felt that they took a short amount of time and used it to its maximum potential and told us a good story in that time frame and never felt rushed, even though, yeah, we were only watching 42 minutes of episode, but it felt longer because they told us more story. This one felt a little rushed, and that was one of my only complaints about it. Um, And then my only other complaint is, as cool as it was to see the Enterprise, I really, 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 really hope that the Enterprise does not play a big part in season two. I want to learn more about the Discovery and its crew. I want I want the Star Trek Discovery to be about the USS Discovery. And if this ends up with them just being, you know, a sideshow to whatever's going on on the Enterprise, I don't think I'd like that as much. Like, it's cool to see stuff that we know and recognize, like, oh, hey, Enterprise, awesome, yeah! But at the same time, I'm like, I really want to know about Random Communication Officer Guy. I want to learn more about him. I don't want him to be Random Communication Officer Guy. I want to learn about him. I want to know about him. I want to know his story. And I feel we spend all this time loving these characters, and if they end up just being like, oh, okay, well, we're going to see Pike and Spock now. Uh, Well, okay, that's cool and everything, but we've already seen Pike and Spock and Kirk, and they've, they've had their moment. They've had their time mm-hmm. to tell their story. I want to I wanna see more Michael. I want to see more Saru. I want to see more Detmer. I want to see more, you know, Lieutenant Crazy Hair. Uh, you know, all of that. And you got to learn her name. I man. really do. Asha Wango. I think we'll totally see more uh, growth within Burnham this season. And from what I heard, I think it was from a real source what the reason why we have spock or at the introduction of spock in the series is to have a reason why we never hear of burnham from spock in future episodes right. so and, this will somehow you know fix that little yeah. thing in canon yeah I'm, I'm totally cool with there being like a two three maybe episode arc where we deal with the enterprise at the beginning of season two 
As long as we yeah, move on past that. What's the distress call? What's going on? What could they have been running from that's worse than the Klingons kind of a thing? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, as, as cool as it is to see the Enterprise, at the same time, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I, I, I hope the Enterprise doesn't take over the show. I want, right. I, I want to learn more about the Discovery. I've invested in these characters now. I want to learn more about them. I thought, you know, I thought Deep Space Nine did a fantastic job. You know, as a show that was literally running at the same time time a show about the enterprise was running they managed to only bring in the enterprise like two times in seven seasons so if discovery can do the same thing like okay well they mentioned the discovery once when they were talking about you know when burnham was talking to tilly about how she can what her her goal to be a captain like here's what you got to do you got to do this you got to do this and then you got to try to get aboard a constitution class ship like the enterprise okay boom you mentioned it good move on and then this you've got the enterprise again so there's your there's your two mentions of the Enterprise. Now move on. <laughs> All right. So why don't we jump in? Uh, you're you're finished, right, Eric? I am. I'm oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and this uh, Eric too. Yeah. <laughs> so why don't we jump uh, quickly into my quantum state of flux? We have <laughs> about 27 minutes and 40 seconds into the episode. A simulation of Kronos being destroyed. And what we have at the end of the simulation is on screen a end simulation uh, reversed. But and that's they have probably how it got missed only because it was reversed. Right. I can still read backwards. Like, come on. <laughs> I can read. They misspell simulation. <laughs> they added an extra T in there. <laughs> It's, it's it was, was so it? stupid. Simulation. <laughs> so I mean, I guess the only gripe is this must have passed through so many people. How so many million many dollars in episode did you say? <laughs> and uh, so many passes, and no one caught it. And uh, yeah, yeah, we have it. Yeah, I mean, and, it, and I like I said, I admit that I did not catch it the first time I watched it. Uh, I neither did I, but I did oh, catch no, it the second time I watched it, and that was before I saw it pointed out online. So I did actually see that. In fact, because I remember the second time I watched it, I was like, "Wait, what?" And I paused it, and I jumped back, at, and I was like, "That does, wait." And I'm like sitting there, I have it on pause, and I'm like looking at it, going, "Am I? Are my eyes deceiving me? Like they can't have gotten <laughs> that wrong. That's too." Too dumb a mistake. There's no way. Like, I must not be reading this right. And then I jumped online and took a look and like, yeah, other people were pointing out. I'm like, okay, so it's not just my eyes. They really fed up. Yeah, so I guess use spell check. Uh, (laughs) I mean, that's that's my... That's my two cents, guys. You spell check. Like, how many eyes had to go over that and see that? And yes, it is oh, reversed. Like, ridiculous. we're seeing it. Like, the view that the, you know, we're seeing this, this, the simulation is being played on the screen of the bridge. And then we're coming in from outside the bridge and seeing it. So we're seeing it in reverse. But the letters are there. And it clearly says S I M U L T A T I O N, which is not a word. Somebody somewhere, when they're doing their visual effects, like, turn. Turn on your Google spell check because I guarantee that was underlined in red. You know, that that, that had a red squiggly line underneath it. You know it did. <laughs> it just blended in. Um, <laughs> that pretty much wraps up our discussion on Discovery Season 1. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Mr. Dewey. 
Yes. If we were to find you on the internet, where would we go to do so? Uh, best place to find me is on the Twitters. You can find me at Eric J. Dewey. That's also my Instagram handle, although I don't post very often there. But if you find me there, you can certainly message me and I will respond. Um, and uh, don't forget to follow our other shows on the 4-Eyed Radio Network at the Sasquatch Net on Twitter. Okay. should have kept it going. You should have. <laughs> uh, Mr. Barry. Yes, I am at TurkeyB47 on Twitter, Instagram. You can find me on those. Check out the Power Rangers podcast I host on the Four-Eyed Radio Network, uh, Ranger Command Power Hour at RangerCommandPHRangerCommand.com, and check that out as well. Awesome. And, yeah. Uh, and if you were to find me, you would do so at Nova Charter on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, so, as Mr. Dewey fiddles with his uh, subspace <laughs> channels over there... I was trying to time it right. <laughs> Here's my favorite part. Oh, yeah. That bump bum. It does it for me every time. Calm down now. <laughs> yeah, whoa. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, thank you all for listening. Until next time, live long and prosper. Peace and long life. There's no third thing to add to that saying. You have been listening to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can find us on the web at sfescapepod.com. Follow us on Twitter at sfescapepod. Like us on facebook.com slash sfescapepod. And add us to your circle on Google Plus by going to google.sfescapepod.com. <laughs>